All right. Well, it's, uh, I'm really, really excited about this series and presenting it to you. Um, this is just so important for us to talk about the good work, what God has created all of us and saved us to do. Now, this message, like most of the messages we preach here, is really for believers. So if you're here and you're not, you've not, maybe you believe in God, but you've not yet surrendered to him and you're not yet ready to follow Jesus Christ no matter what, this is a great message for you because you see, you'll, you'll listen to why we are following Christ and what God wants to do with you and with those who are following him. And so we're talking about the good work. And a couple weeks ago, if you missed last week, you missed it. You'll only get part of it online because the power went out and everything went crazy. But two weeks ago was, was I, I, if you missed two weeks ago, I really want to encourage you. Go to bridgewater.church, listen to it, and, and it talks through this idea of what is it that maybe you're just curious about, a need in the world, or, or maybe you're beyond curious and your heart is just broken for something. You need to find that one thing that your heart breaks for, and this is just a list of ideas that maybe one of these things will get you thinking to say, that is what my heart breaks for. That's what I want to do, and that's how I want to serve God, by serving those particular people or in that particular way. And um, here's the thing we're going to talk about a little bit today, and that is that great things rarely happen to individuals. Great things happen to teams. Now, that's a quote not from the Bible, from Coach Mike Krzyzewski of uh, one of the, mo- the winningest uh, basketball coach in American history, but um, it's, it's really true. And today we're going to look at a passage of Scripture, Nehemiah chapter 3, And it's one of those really boring passages of Scripture. So if you've ever read the Bible, there are some passages. Esther is a great example. Incredible story, Esther. And gripping and like the first time you read it, you're like, oh, that is awesome. And then there's Nehemiah 3 passages. Just a list of uh, 40 different men and, and, and towns and places you've never done, people been to, people you've never met. Uh, building something you've never seen. So it's not quite as, as uh, easily memorable, but th- all Scripture, 1 Timothy says, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for a lot of things, correction, instruction, righteousness, uh, doctrine, and, and reproof. And, and so that's true, even of Nehemiah 3. So I'm going to read a few verses from Nehemiah 3 and then talk about what it's talking about. So Nehemiah 3 verse 1, Elijah the high priest and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gates. So Nehemiah is about rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And so they rebuilt the sheep gate, they dedicated it, set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated as far as the Tower of Hananel. Some of these words are going to trip me up. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zachar, son of Imri, built next to them. The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hasanah. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. And Merimah, son of Uriah, the son of Hakaz, repaired the next section next to him. Meshalem, son of Berechiah, the son of Meshazabel, made repairs. And next to him, Zadok, son of Baana, also made repairs. And so, um, there we go. Next service, I'll read it again and it'll sound differently. So, but, uh, so what, what is going on here? And, and what they are is it's just talking about all these different people 
that we're a part of doing something great that God want, wanted and need, wanted people to do. And so as you think through what God has called you to do, maybe God has called you to impact the lives of children. Maybe God has called you to, um, to give uh, just strength and comfort and grace to people in the last days of their life. Uh, may, maybe it's somewhere in the middle or, or something different entirely. But whatever God has called you to do, he has not called you to do it alone. If you want to do, it, it, what God's plan for you is something that will involve other people. In fact, this is why Jesus started the church. Because Jesus started the church because and he, he, he got 12 apostles, right, that he had follow him, not just one guy. He didn't get one guy and say, okay, guy, this is your job. You need to do this. No, he got a team together and said, you all have a job to do, but you need to do it together. And that's what the church is for. Because we're different. Is that true? You know, the word for true in churches is amen. So we're different. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm really glad we're different. You know, I'm glad my wife is different than me. I would make a really ugly woman, you know. I've seen the pictures and I did. All right, we're not going anywhere farther with that. Thank you, Laura. Um, so here's, we have, we have one point this morning, okay? So if you're following along in the Bridgewater app notes, which is a great thing to get. I'm not an appy kind of guy, but I, I, and I downloaded it at first and did nothing with it just because I had to. Um, I felt obligated to. But actually, our, our Bridgewater app, if you look for it, it's got our little swoosh on the side of the building on it. And it, it's a way of giving. It's a way of, there's a, a Bible reading plan on it. You can connect to a Bible app through that. And you can, uh, there's notes there as well. So this morning, here's, here's the one point this morning that's on that Bible app. Join the fight. God uses the willing, not the qualified. And as I've talked to some of you about that first sermon, what is it that God has made you and saved you to do? We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has planned in advance for us to do. What is your thing? Many of you have said, I don't know. And, and some of you who've said, I don't know, have added, I'm not sure I can do anything. I can't preach. I hate kids. <laughs> I can't sing uh, worth a lick. You know, uh, you know what, what? I don't like sports. I can't coach. Like what? I, I don't know what God could use. I can't hardly walk. Uh, you know, or I, I, I can't, I can't hardly read. You know, and different things. And I'm telling you, God. And I'm, I'm not here to give you a pep talk and say you're better than you think you are because maybe you're not. It's true, right? But you know what I'm here to tell you? The Holy Spirit in you is better than you think he is. Jesus Christ is better than you think he is, and he can do something in you and through you. And, and, and don't, don't, don't set him aside and say, oh, no, I just, I just can't do it. God uses the willing, not the qualified. Who were the people? I read a few verses of, of who were the people that were involved in rebuilding the wall. And um, before we get to who, I guess I just want to explain what were they building. So here is a little scale model of the Jerusalem's wall in Nehemiah's time. So it was four and a half miles long. 
Here's the thing. The stage back here is a little bit wider than 22 feet, but it's, it's a little bit less wide than the stage. The ceiling at the peak is 26 feet. The wall was 25 feet high. So imagine something almost as wide as the stage, as high as the peak of this room, stretching for four and a half miles. How long would that take you to build out of field stone? I mean, we have these beautiful little walls all over Pennsylvania, but 22 feet wide, 25 feet high? I mean, this is a job that's going to take a number of people. And so here's a schematic of it. It's kind of weirdly shaped. There's actually a water source down here, and so that's why it kind of stretches like that. But there's 11 gates, and on top of the gates, you mentioned, mentioned a bunch of towers that were taller than that, you know, along the wall as well. I mean, this was a massive Massive pro project. And here, I'll, I'll kind of point this out. This is an archaeological dig of Nehemiah's wall. So the walls of Jerusalem have been rebuilt uh, multiple times, but they have found sections, not all of this. This stuff in the middle, that's not Nehemiah's wall. Nehemiah's wall is right here. That's part of Nehemiah's wall. And it's right in the foreground here. Look at the size of those stones. And they're using donkeys, <laughs> wood, for levers and people, right? To pick those up, 25, set them 25 feet high on the top of a wall. Uh, so this is an um, enormous project that they're involved with. And, and, you know, there are things, there are obstacles. And, and on that list, there were some of them that, that are seemingly impossible, I've mentioned this a bunch of times, the drug use epidemic in Susquehanna County. What if we, what if we brought that to almost zero? Well, that's impossible. You, you just can't do that. Do you know how many people that would involve? You know, heroin, meth, all, the, all this stuff. Like, uh, pot, like uh, there, there's no way. The suicide epidemic in our county. Well, there's over 40,000 people in our county. How do, you, how do you reach all of them and give all of them hope, especially since so many times you don't even know? You don't know. Whatever it is that God has called you to do, you know, to, to adopt a foster child. We have a couple in our church that have a couple kids right now, foster kids. Sometimes the trauma they've been through what, what already has happened in their lives, people would look at it, psychologists, and they would say, yeah, they, there's no way they're going to have a normal, productive life. They're done. But God can do what we can't do. And as they looked at this pile of rubble, Nehemiah said, God can help us, and, and we can do this. So who, who is doing the building? So I mentioned in those verses before that I read priests, and I know, you know, I'm kind of like a modern-day priest, like a pastor. I'm not a priest, but, you know, and, you know, we're pretty buff guys. You know, we work with our hands all day. No, we don't, right? Priests, look who else is building. Uziel, son of Harhiah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired the next section. Hananiah, one of the perfume makers, made repairs next to that, and they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. And then Shalom, son of Halahesh, ruler of the Hasjif district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section with the help of his daughters. And let me, let me just back up here. 
Who, who's picking that thing up? I can't pick that thing up. Me and two other really strong guys could pick that up, maybe. And, and, and it's girls and perfume makers and... Sorry, the guy with the donut. We'll get to the guy with the donut in a minute. So... I can just imagine Nehemiah, you know, he's, he's organizing and he's getting everything ready and, and, you know, his right-hand guy says, hey, we got some more new recruits. He's like, all right, send them in. And they're like, okay, you guys, uh, uh, what, are you masons? No. You, oh, carpenters? No. Yeah, you didn't look like carpenters. What do you do? Well, we're perfume makers. <laughs> Great. Great. Hey, you can do this section. All right, who's next? Oh, we got Shalom. Oh, Shalom. He's, Shalom's a big dude. That's great. Who, who does he have with him? Well, he's got some family members. Oh, I bet his boys are huge like him. Well, they could be. <laughs> uh, who's he brought? His daughters. Okay. Well, you see, God uses the willing, not the talented. We live in a day and age where everyone is specialized, right? Plumbing. I mean, there's guys, and that's all they do is just plumbing, right? And carpenters kind of do everything. But, you know, then you got electricians and you got backhoe workers and, you know, also, and everyone is so specialized. And we often think, boy, if there's a job, you need a specialist. And this is going to really upset some people. But you need to understand this in the way I'm saying it. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing poorly. And this is why, because God is not looking for the best. He's looking for your best. And so if, you, if your best, and, and obviously there are times where, you know, yeah, you, you literally can't do it, okay? But sometimes I'll take a willing person who's actually going to do it over a qualified person who's going to sit on their butt, in fact, this is so true about our, so much of our ministry, our children's ministry this morning. I meant to, and something came up and I didn't, I meant to get a picture of all of them together involved in children's ministry so you could see who's with your kids right now. Almost none of them have educational degrees. Almost none of them are qualified to teach. Do you know why? Because half of them are teenagers, Right? And half the adults, they, they're, they're not, you know, they, one of them drives a water truck. Incredible children's worker. Looks terrible on paper because he's not qualified. He doesn't have a degree. You know, God uses the willing. And that's where the donut man comes in. And who, this is Kyle Landis. Most of you don't know. How many of you know Kyle? Raise your hand. Oh, wow, a bunch of you do. So Kyle was uh, part of our church here, and we sent him to start Halstead. That was our first new campus that we started. And so who you would typically want to choose is you want to choose a pastor with experience. And so Kyle, what he did was he sold industrial sewage systems. So if you're going to make an airport or build a hospital and you want to deal with the waste, Kyle is your man. And he could talk to you about it and eat donuts all at the same time. Um, we sent Kyle to start. He was not qualified. 
In fact, he would call me up during the week and say, like, if, if, if it was this message of Nehemiah, he'd say, okay, so, so tell me about who is this Nehemiah guy? Like, when did he live? Okay, did, did you ever watch the movie The 500, you know, about the Persians and Xerxes versus the Greek? This is about the time period that this is going on. And even though it's like toward the beginning of the Old Testament, it's actually one of the last things that happens at the end of the Old Testament. And, it, oh, okay, this is, go, wait, slow down, I got to write this down. And, and he was just a sponge, but... He didn't know what he was doing. And that, but he was willing. And God used him. And, and since then, he's gone on to start several new churches down in Tennessee. Why? Because he's willing. Graduated from college with a business degree, and he's a pastor. Here's another guy who was willing, Rich Clark. If you had met Rich in his 20s, you would have met an alcoholic brawler. He would go to bars and on purpose, pick on the biggest, toughest guy there or group of guys and get in a fight. And he could hold his own, but he said, I often, he said, I know it sounds weird, but I, have su I had such self-loathing, I would pick on guys because I wanted to get beat up. And he drank, and he was angry, and if you would have told him when he was in his 20s, you're going to be a pastor, you're going to lead dozens of people to Jesus Christ, he probably would have given you the finger. And said, no, me? But God changed his life. And up in Romulus, New York, he felt like, you know, God wants me to do something. He wants me to be a pastor. So he sold his house and all the equity they had built up in their house. And this guy's like 40 years old. He, he, he used all of that money to put himself through Bible college and work his way through. And then did an internship here. And he preached and I said to him after he preached, I said, man, you are such a gifted man. You are a gifted administrator. You and your wife are such great greeters. And you can't preach. And you're not going to preach at Bridgewater again. <laughs> and it's okay. Pastors don't have to preach. There's lots of pastors that do other things. And you're great at doing all these other things. And he was like, no, no, I really feel called to preach. And I said, well, that's great. And he preached at the First Presbyterian Church in town. And he preached in other places in front of his small group. He preached here, you know, eight people. And you know what? His willingness overcame his lack of ability. And he's a great preacher. And God's called him now to Indiana and a church of, you know, six to 800 people. And God is using him. Why? Because he was so gifted? No. In fact, I have a theory. I was talking to Adam Morrill about this. Adam was our intern, and he's finished his internship, and he's now preaching down in Tunkhannock. He's kind of the interim there as we're looking for a full-time guy um, to, to be there. Adam's 22. And I said to Adam, I said, you're a good preacher. I think you preach at the level I preached at at your age. Maybe you're a little bit better than I was, but you're not great. And that's an advantage because greatly gifted people can do it by themselves. And they don't need God. And away they go, off by themselves, doing great things, and they're hollow because the Spirit isn't with them because it's all on their own. And I said, it is, it is a helpful thing to be good, but not great. Because it's easier to keep that humility. And God uses the willing, not the gifted. He wants to use you. Dave, he wants to use you.
Steve and Ryan. So what are they building? Who is building? God wants your best, not the best. And this is another interesting thing about what they were doing is it wasn't for themselves. Here's one of the verses. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section and Zachary son of Imri built next to them. There is nine different towns and cities mentioned in chapter 3. People from, from nine different, uh, you know, towns and cities that came to rebuild the wall. You know, you read the list and you're like, oh, 40 guys and two women rebuilt the wall. No, no, no. That was representative. Those were maybe the, the overseers or they were in charge of certain sections. There were hundreds if not thousands of people who were involved in this project. And most of, I don't know about most of them, many of them were not from Jerusalem, which means it wasn't for themselves. And, and Nehemiah 4, I think it's in verse 12, it talks about how these people were threatened by the, we talked about last week about the opposition, the opposition to what God wants us to do. In fact, Jonah Ely had to point it out to me. I didn't even realize it. I had to go back and listen, and he was right. He said, just when you were saying, he says, you were saying that we need to obey God and not the government, and then the lights go out. He says, that's suspicious. <laughs> now, they weren't listening or anything, but I wish they were listening. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> but, you know, there was opposition. And there was uh, the army of Samaria, and there was Jeshur, who was an Arab uh, warlord or, or king of some kind, and he had an army as well. And they were threatening not just the people in Jerusalem, but the people in the outlying towns like Jericho. They said, oh, you're going to build a wall in Jerusalem? Good for Jerusalem. We're going to be right in the middle of your city, and we'll kill you before you even know we're coming. And that wall in Jerusalem isn't going to help you or your family or your kids one bit. And we'll sell them as slaves and we'll do whatever we want with them. You better stop if you know what's good for you. And despite those threats, they left their homes and they went to Jerusalem and it wasn't even for them. In fact, I just wanted to give you an idea how far Jericho was from Jerusalem. It was 18 miles, and this is the road right here. The road from Jericho to Jerusalem. This is just outside of Jericho. It's a desolate, desolate road. The story of the Good Samaritan takes place on this road. And as it travels, you can see, you can see it continue. This must have been the spring because there's a little bit of green grass there. It's it's very, very hot, desert-like conditions. This is going up. It, it goes up 3,400 feet of elevation along the the 18-mile journey, it, it is literally all uphill to Jerusalem from Jericho. This is, this is actually the ancient path that they would have taken. And, um, and continuing on the way, this is obviously a, a highway. And, 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 and that last one, you can finally see a little bit of, of Jerusalem right, right there at the top. So it would have taken all day to get there from Jericho, and from, from these other towns, some of them as well were, were almost as far away. It wasn't for themselves, and it wasn't everyone either. Verse 5 of Nehemiah chapter 3, the next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles, the nobles of that town, would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. We don't know why. 
we suspect that it's because they were too good. I mean, they were nobility. You don't need to get their hands dirty. They might break a finger or a, or a, or, or a rock might land on their foot and they become lame. And I mean, that is too risky. And besides, there was threats of, of, of the army coming. And, and man, they were, they were too good to get dirty. One, one of the things I appreciate about our church and um, those who are serving and volunteering is we have upside-down systems sometimes. Uh, Ephesians 5.22 says, Wives, submit to your husbands. Ephesians 5.21 says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And that's talking about everyone. Now, he wasn't playing this morning, but sometimes Tim Stevens is playing the drums in the morning. Tim Stevens is older than Jessica. Okay, a little bit. No, he's a lot older. He's wiser. Jessica is a very wise woman. She's really godly. He's wiser than she is. He makes more money than her and Greg put together. (laughs) He's he's probably more respected than Jess. And he submits to her. It's a beautiful thing. We see this in, in children's ministry. Who, we, have, we have teachers who have degrees submitting maybe to someone who doesn't, right? Because, because it's not about, like, don't you know who I am? I'm a noble from Tekoa. I don't get my hands dirty like that. I have better things to do. There may be a job that you have, and God might want to use you. In, I know God wants to use you in your job. I know God, you know, some of, some of you are way smarter than I am. We have a, a medical doctor. We got a psychologist doctor. We got a woman with a doctorate in nursing administration in our church. Whew, that sounds boring. <laughs> but God bless her. There are people way smarter than me. And yet, submitting to my leadership and listening to me, not because I'm a man, but because this is God's word. Because we're following God. Tim's following God. And as he follows God, he listens to Jessica. And, and you know what? This, this is what... Some of you think you, you don't have anything to, to give. You don't have anything to, to do for God. You're underestimating Jesus Christ in you. Others of you, I don't think there's many here, but might think you're too good and you're overestimating yourself. Um, I like my attempt at achievement better than your contempt of my achievement. Um, I was talking to a woman who doesn't go to a Bridgewater church and she was just talking about a friend of hers. She's like, this friend has been involved in the church for years, but since COVID, she's saying, well, you know, I'm just hanging back and seeing how things go. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not ready to jump in. I just want to just, just wait and see. We're under this impression that time is on our side. It's not. Again, in Ephesians, it says, make the most of every opportunity, redeeming the time because the days 
are evil. The waiting game is the game Satan wants you to play. Just wait a little bit longer. Wait, wait till my kids are grown. Wait till this, you know, pandemic, you know, kind of settles out a little bit more. Wait till I retire. Wait till I get over this physical ailment. Wait till, you know, things kind of settle down in my marriage. Wait till delayed obedience is disobedience. And waiting is exactly what, God, what, what Satan wants you to do, and it's exactly what God doesn't want you to do. So this morning, just before coming here, Chris Warner called me. He was sitting right out about where Rich, right about where you're sitting in the second service. Comes with his two, his niece and his nephew. They were here last week, Tyler and Madison. I think I talked to them both. And um, he adopted them. They're pretty much the only dad they've known. And Madison killed herself yesterday. (laughs) 13 years old. Her brother found her. He's about the same age as she is. Just a year or two apart. Time is not on our side. God wants you. I told my son this this morning. You're working in kids' ministry. You don't know the impact you could have on someone. You don't know what people are going through. You don't know. You need to get off your butt and get in the game. Join the fight. Jesus wants to use you to change the world. He died to change your life and he changed your life to change someone else's life. Not to sit at home and, and come. This, you know what this is Sunday morning? This is practice. This is not the game. If you're in kids ministry right now, that's the game, okay? They're, they're, in, they're in it, you know? But this is practice right now. This only happened one time in my coaching career. And it was with, I think they were six and seven years old. It was raining, it was cold, and I turned to the bench, and there was a kid exhausted on the field, and I turned to the bench, and I'm like, who wants to go in? None of them wanted to go in. They're all like, it's cold. I don't want to play soccer. Like, it just frustrated me. I'm like, what? I want to go in. I can't go in. I'm a coach. I don't look like I'm seven. (laughs) be upset you know get in the game do something and two weeks ago again watch it Amanda Moyer I think no who was it yeah no Janelle Lawrence talked about how how she's you know the the children's ministry director down there um First time, first thing she did, she said, I found out, like, working with the kids, that just wasn't my thing. Working with the adults that work with the kids, ah, that's my sweet spot. So don't be afraid to just try something and fail. We got a woman, Felicia, who who wants to lead a, a lady small group. She's been saved, like, two and a half, maybe three years. She's like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I've been in a small group for a little bit. 
And she said, but I want to lead a small group. You know what? I'll take that over a Bible seminary professor with doctorates in the Bible who's not doing anything. Get in the game. This is one of my favorite quotes outside of the scripture. And it's uh, Teddy Roosevelt said it in his speech, Man in the Arena, given April 23rd, 1910 in Paris. He said, it is not the critic who counts, not not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again because there's no effort without error and shortcoming. The credit belongs to the man who spends himself in a worthy cause, who who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and who at worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. One of my dreams is that God would so multiply the followers of Jesus Christ at Bridgewater and in other churches in this county that we would change the statistics of Susquehanna County and Wyoming County and Broome County and Bradford or wherever. That, that, that police officers would be busy getting cats out of trees because there's no crime. You're like, well, that's impossible. What Nehemiah did was impossible as well. Building a four and a half mile wall with scrubs, 11 gates plus towers in less than two months. It was, it was unbelievable. And God wants to do the unbelievable in you and through you, and we need to do it together. Write this down. One, it's actually 14,440 Strickland Hill Road, Springville. This is the address of Chris Warner. I think it'd be awesome online, here in the room, if he got 200 cards this week, knowing that over 200 people were praying for him and for his son Tyler as they grieve the loss of Madison. And his mom, his grandma, 14,440 Strickland Hill Road, Springville. I don't know the zip of Springville, but it's... 18844. There's only one zip in Springville. <laughs> It'll get there. If we're out there on our own, Satan will pick us off one by one. This is why we this is why Jesus started the church so that we could gather together and together storm the gates of hell. In fact, Jesus says, I will build my, the word for church is actually the word for assembly. I will build my assembly. I will build my, my group of, of people who gather together and the gates of hell will not withstand against them. Heavenly Father, my heart is broken for Chris today. But God, my heart is broken for, and I won't name them, 
the dozens and dozens of believers who are sitting on the bench right now. And they're not even here. And they're all angry and confused and distracted and, quote, busy. While the world burns. (laughs) I talked to Madison. God, I had no idea. But God, I know that you don't waste pain and I know you're going to use this and I know you have a plan. And I just ask that this would be the last Madison in our church. The last Madison in this community. God, that we would rise up and that we would just do something, anything for you. Lord, some of us are scared to invite someone to come to church. Jesus went to the cross. Nehemiah risked his life. God, help us to risk. God, if there is hidden sin in our lives, God, help us to reveal it because you got to change us first before we go out there and try to change somebody else. God, just crack open our hearts. We'd get rid of those selfish, addictive, sinful desires that we chase after. Our hands would be empty so that we could fill them with you and and give you to those around us. God, change Montrose change Susquehanna County, change Pennsylvania, change the United States of America. God, every time we get frustrated at the news, remind us that the church, Jesus Christ, is the answer, the answer to everything. And you've given that to us. Help us to give it to others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.